Welcome to Barry Pirro's Haunted Happenings Podcast, where I share in-depth stories of the paranormal, the supernatural, and the unexplained. So turn off your lights, sit back, and prepare to be scared. At the start of every podcast, you hear me say, prepare to be scared. But in this episode and upcoming episodes, you'll instead need to prepare to be amazed. Prepare to be inspired, because you'll be hearing from people who have actually seen what lies beyond this life and returned to tell about their incredible journey. On August 5, 1973, the New York Times ran an article about a tragedy that occurred the day before. Three New York City residents had drowned, and more than 25 others were rescued off of Fire Island when an unusually strong undertow swept a 10-mile section of the shore. On the beach that day was 18-year-old Patricia Bassett, and this is her near-death experience. So we used to spend our summers as children on Fire Island. My parents would rent a house out there and we'd go out in mid-June and we'd literally stay there through the beginning of September and never leave the island until we went back to school. So we spent a lot of time by the ocean there. This summer when I was 18, I met a man and fell in love on the beach. I don't think we'd been together very long, but of course I was pretty in love. And we were by the ocean, and he said to me, Look, Pat, see the waves breaking way out there? He said, That's a sign of a sandbar. They're breaking waves in the distance. How about we swim out there and stand on the sandbar? And I said, Sure, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So I literally walked into the ocean into my own near-death experience. Because as we got into the water... We swam and swam and swam, and we never reached a sandbar. And during that time of, I don't know how long it was, 20 minutes, the waves just continued to get closer and closer together. And the only thing I could do to survive at that point was each time a wave came, I would plummet down below the wave into the water so I wouldn't get tossed around and then come back up for air. We were together for a while. I remember trying to cling to him and him begging me not to pull him under. And there was a time when I went down and I never came back up. And I, I know that I left my body and I know that I went to the other side because I was now up there looking down at the experience that was happening. The tides got very violent very quickly. That was what was out there. And when I looked down, what I saw were helicopters on the beach rescuing people. There were many people that day who almost drowned or drowned, were taken away in helicopters. There were lifeboats out there rescuing people. There were many people gathered on the beach. And I was up here now looking down at the experience. And I was 
um, met by groups of people. It was almost as if they were gathered in groups in layers up in the sky. Like there were some over there, and there were some over here, and there were some here. And I gravitated towards this, what felt like they were waiting for me. And there was a complete sense of peace, surrounded by love and support, and a sense of welcoming me, and a sense of seeing my whole life flash before me, from when I was a baby, to a toddler, to a preschooler, every stage of my life, like a movie strip, was happening before my eyes. And it was asking me to see this. I didn't have a choice about this. But there came a time when I was specifically asked, consciously, are you ready to stay or do you want to go back? I remember my answer specifically was, I have to go back. I have too much love to give. I'm not done. I have to go back. So I came back. I didn't want to come back, but I came back. And when I came back to life in my body, everything had changed in that I now was strong and completely ready to fight the tides. And I went forth with this adrenaline to swim as fast as I could. And I began to hear voices calling me in the distance. Come on, you, you can do it. You can reach us. We're here. I couldn't see them, but I could, I could hear them. And after a while, a little bit of through the fog, the vision of the boat, this big boat rocking in the ocean became visible to me. And I swam and I, I got to the boat and I was pulled up onto the boat and my friend was already on that boat. And I just remember feeling very nauseous and vomiting a lot and throwing up a lot of seawater. I don't remember any other physical pain or anything. And we were brought back to shore. And what happened at that moment when I got back on shore was I was greeted by my mother and father. And the way in which my mother and father greeted me was extremely violent and traumatic. They were so angry at me. Come on, Patty, come on, come on. What the hell are you doing? Come now, be quiet, don't talk, just follow us. You're not leaving our side ever for a long time. Look what you did, you bad girl. So at that moment in time, I think the whole experience completely suppressed into my subconscious. I wasn't checked out medically. I was okay. They didn't ask me much if I was okay. They were just so angry with me. So I remember that I think I really went into a deep depression at that point in my life. I was 18. I was forbidden to go anywhere near this man who I had had the experience with. So I had no one to share anything with. And it went deep into my subconscious for many, many, many years. I'm an artist, a photographer, and I've always carried my camera everywhere I've, I went. I decided to write a book about water because I looked back 
on all my pictures and everything was about water. I had a fascination with water and I didn't know why. So I wrote this book about the many forms of water. So much of my artwork was so spiritual and I did not see it at that time. It was always reaching up for the light and prayer and this always this theme of this great light in the sky in my artwork. And just about the time that I decided to put all these pictures together and write this book, I became involved with this wonderful, wonderful man who was a very supportive and very spiritual man. And we used to go up to the Buddhist monastery in Kent. And we went there and I was meditating one day and suddenly the tears began to flow. And I didn't know what they were about, but I couldn't stop them. I couldn't stop the tears. And I began to share with Frank this experience I had of drowning, of dying and moving into the light and how hard life really had become since then because I came back. And the tears just flowed and flowed into a big puddle on the floor. And because I was with this really supportive person, it just all came out and I began to write about it and I began to research about it and everything where I could go, everything I could learn to validate how I felt. That how I felt and what I was talking about was not some craziness. It was real. It was scientifically real that I had left my body. I had temporarily died. I had joined where we will all go and I had chosen to come back which isn't easy because it's a lot easier over there. My journey has taken me to realize the gifts that came to me while being exposed to this amazing energy, this being back to the source of where we were all created. So I am now a certified intuitive and medium. I can easily tap into spirits from the other side. I'm a Reiki person, I'm a yoga person, a meditator, and a hospice volunteer. My desire to have become a hospice volunteer was to help people transition to the other side. And primarily, I have absolutely no fear around death. I believe I died and came back to life without a doctor, and I can do it again when it's my time. I don't need them to keep me alive. I don't want them to keep me alive. And my children respect that. They know about my experience. Uh, I've done a lot of research and the people that have had near-death experiences do not handle medications well at all. They are highly sensitive beings now. Highly sensitive and doctors don't respect that. So I have to be really careful. I don't really take medication but I have to be really careful about that and make sure that people understand that. I would love to be able to connect with more people who have had these type of experiences. I can't help but wonder if they also struggle with how difficult it really is to be here and how there is this peace and this beauty outside of this physical being.
and being with the force of the universe. You said that you weren't told to come back, that you were asked if you wanted to come back. Is that right? I was so definite that I had to come back. There was no if, ands, or buts about it. As much as you wanted to stay. As much as I wanted to stay. I knew that I had love to give this world. A lot of love. So that's my mission here, is to spread more light one person at a time. Mm. And I knew I had to do that. I just had no question in my mind that I had to do that. I was rushing back to my assignment. Maybe I was given that assignment while I was there. Some people who come back say that they are more sensitive to energy around them. Did anything like that happen to you? I'm very sensitive to energy. I mean, I can walk in a place and feel if the energy is thick or hasn't been cleared. And if it's not good, you will not see me sticking around. Did you feel that your astral body was attached to your physical body in any way? I did not. I, I really did not. Do you remember if your astral body was formless or was it similar to your physical body? I didn't give it much thought, but if you see my artwork, you'll see that I did see the other forms as a physical type of, the other forms of energy as similar to the human body form around me, yes. My own, I didn't think about that. This might sound like a dumb question, but were there both male and female spirits? I did see male and female, actually, yes, I did. I do feel like there's definitely male and female. At this point in the interview, Patricia showed me illustrations from her book, The Ways of Water. One illustration shows groups of people at various levels in a golden, sun-drenched sky. This is me, and this is what, this is what my sense of having these sort of layers and groups of people, all different layers. Like, it's not just one place you're going to go. Like, there's, there's many different areas to, that you'll go to. I'm seeing in your drawings these different levels and that some are higher than others. Did you get a sense that you would have to work harder to get to those higher levels or that the spirits there were more advanced? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Purposes, different purposes, without a doubt. Children, higher, like these, to me, this would be really almost the, the real masters that have all the knowledge looking almost down. I don't think I would ever probably be up there with them, but they were there. You said that they were in groups. Were these very large groups of spirits or smaller groups? Small groups, ten, five, ten. My focus was not too far away. It was more with what was going on around me. I could have gone from there to there easily if I chose to, but I was being taken care of by this group. Did you have any sense that you had a connection to these spirits, that you knew any of them? No, I didn't know them. Spirits, you didn't know them at all? No, I didn't know them. Do you believe in reincarnation? Yes, without a doubt. I think in a way I was reincarnated. I wasn't the same person when I came back. Was there sound there or music? No. Silence. Silence and telepathic. Yeah, no No words being spoken. Did you travel at all while you were there? I saw the option to travel, but I feel I didn't take that choice. Mm -hmm. I stayed within this group where I was. Do you think the group that you gravitated to was waiting for you there? That they were there just for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were there for me. 
So you saw these groups, you gravitated towards one group, and yes. then you were with them. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't understand that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. You spoke of this overwhelming feeling of love while you were there. Did it feel as if this was coming from one being like God, or was it all around? It was everywhere. It was collective, collectively given. But it was like just a sense of an energy. It's all, all good. It's all collective. We're all here for you. There's no fear. There's no worry. There's no danger. We're all one. No sense for one person to step forward over another. It, it, whatever was communicated was collective. What was your religious upbringing at the time, and did you associate the experience you had with the religion that you were raised? I was raised Presbyterian, baptized Catholic. I didn't come one with, quote, God. It probably broadened my perspective on the force that's there for us to draw on to help us on this path. It is not something that is outside of us. It is everywhere, and it was everywhere there. Why do you think you were shown the life review? Was there something you think that you were supposed to get out of seeing all those events? You have to, to evolve as a soul, look at what you've done while you were here. You're not going to escape that on the other side. It's going to be right with you. It's part of your evolving. I've heard that during the life review, you're shown not only the bad things that you've done, but also the good things. Do you think that seeing those good events from your life helped you decide to come back? I think it was seeing the good stuff, seeing the unbelievable love and kind heart that drove me to go back, that helped me to want to go back. Right, because you did see the good stuff. I did, yes. Yeah. What did the life review look like? It's like a film strip. It's like watching a film Is it strip linear? really quick. Are you watching, like, I was little, I got older, this happened? Yes. It is yes. linear. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I would say I would say yes yeah. for the short time of life I had till then. Right. At eight, you know, I was only eighteen. Say you saw a good event. Did you also see how it affected the people or the Most person? Most definitely. Most definitely. You didn't just say, "Oh, look, I just gave this person some money." No, 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 because that's the ego, and right. this wasn't about the ego. This was much more empathic. That's what's going to happen, you see, because that's what's going to happen when you go to the other mm. side. You're going to get the expansiveness that you don't have here. You're going to be shown that. Immediately after your near-death experience, how did you deal with your newfound intuitive abilities? I really struggled with my own sensitivities and how to handle them. I'm empathic. Meditating has helped me not to be so empathic all the time with people. Did you feel like you came back more empathic than you were before the experience? Definitely. Were you concerned about your family or the people on Earth while you were there? Yes, very concerned. What were you thinking? What were your main concerns? They need me. They need my help bad. Thank you, Patricia, for taking the time to share your amazing story with us. It feels good to be able to talk about it to someone who understands. Thank you. In 1975, Dr. Raymond Moody published his groundbreaking book, Life After Life. In it, 
he discussed 50 cases of people who were resuscitated after being declared clinically dead. Moody actually coined the term near-death experience. It's important to keep in mind that Patricia had absolutely no knowledge of other people's NDEs. Her brush with death came a full two years before the publication of Life After Life. Yet, her near-death experience was very similar to those discussed in the book. I'm absolutely certain that Patricia's story will stay with you long after listening to this interview, not only because it was such an amazing emotional story, but because the truth of what she said resonates with all of us. To purchase Patricia's books, The Ways of Water, and Spirited Images, or to set up an appointment with Patricia for intuitive soul readings, Reiki treatments, birth charts, or spiritual guidance, please see the links in the podcast program notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow me and leave a comment. To contact me, visit my website, ConnecticutGhostHunter.com. I'm Barry Pirro, and this is Haunted Happenings. Thank you.